So we've gone from panfish to true bass. What is a true bass? Very, very unique group of, of fish. Uh, these are warm water species. They are predators. And what is really unique about these guys is they have a tooth patch. What the heck is a tooth patch? Well, if you catch one of these fish and, and look down inside the mouth, you'll see what appears we would call it a tongue. And, and on that tongue, you'll see this rough area. It, it literally looks like someone cut out a piece of sandpaper and glued it onto the tongue. It's very, very rough. And what's unique about the true bass species is that in each species, this tooth patch is a different shape. And if we look through these really quick, you know, white bass, striped bass, hybrid, yellow, you know, they are all very similar in, in shape, size, coloration. Um, uh, but if you look at that tooth patch, you can get an absolute positive ID. So the first one we're looking at here is a white bass. Wonderful fish. Actually pretty good eating. Um, average size, kind of like a largemouth bass. Um, they are very much a predator, a very much a schooling fish. So if you get into one white bass, you'll probably get into a whole mess of them. We also have striped bass. Now, striped bass are unique here in Indiana in that these are a saltwater species. So this is one of the, the, the species that, that can live in both saltwater and freshwater. Striped bass can get incredibly large. You know, world record 78 pounds caught in New Jersey, caught on the coast of New Jersey. So that was a, a saltwater run, uh, striped bass. Striped bass, as I mentioned, are, are a schooling fish, and they will make a migratory run from the northern waters up, you know, Maine, Nova Scotia, um, down the east coast in, into Florida, and then turn around and do it again. And there are, you know, fishermen who, who will chase them along this migratory run. Um, various areas uh, along the east coast, uh, New Jersey, uh, New York, uh, Long Island, uh, Montauk Point are just wonderful places um, to to fish for for striped bass, uh, Nantucket, uh, Cape Cod. You know, just there, there's an entire genre of fishermen who who are dedicated to striped bass, very much like there are um, uh, trout fishermen. We have striped bass in Batoka Reservoir, uh, just south of us. Uh, Batoka is the second largest reservoir, Lake Monroe being the first, and we also have striped bass in the Ohio River. You move a little bit further south down into to, to Tennessee, the Cumberland River, chocked full of striped bass, much to the chagrin of a lot of trout fishermen, because guess what striped bass like to eat? <laughs> trout. 
you've worked really hard, you know, to tie the exact right fly to match the hatch. We'll get into more of that later. <clears throat> to catch this wonderful, you know, 14-inch, you know, trout, and you're fighting him, you're bringing him in, and some big stinking, you know, three-foot-long striped bass comes through and just inhales him and then breaks off your, your tippet as if it's not even there. So, anyway, um, those are, are, are two uh, nearby areas that, that we can uh, fish for striped bass. Or you could go down to Lake Monroe and fish for a hybrid striped bass. Now, this fish has an interesting story. Years ago, shortly after Lake Monroe was built, remember how I said that Lake Monroe was um, targeted to be developed as a, a world-class largemouth bass fishery? And it was. But there were some individuals about three or four years after the lake was built and stocked that felt that uh, these largemouth bass just don't have enough to eat. That's why they're so small. If they had more to eat, they would get bigger. And so these good old boys went over to Columbus, Ohio, or Columbus, Indiana, and caught netted a, a, a whole bunch of, of shad, put them in buckets, drove over to Monroe County, Lake Monroe, and dumped them in. There, those shad will, will grow and multiply, and largemouth bass will have more to eat. Well, the one unique thing about shad, which is a, a rough fish, is that they only eat plankton they're a filter feeder so they're sucking out you know all of the 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 base life form in a body of water that's feeding the 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 young lar uh, the young fish and the minnows and 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 uh which is eaten by the larger fish which is eaten by the larger fish which is eaten by the largemouth bass and so if you take out that that first layer uh, in the food chain, everything above it collapses. And that's pretty much what happened. And since shad are not a predator fish, they're incredibly difficult to catch in, in, in large numbers. And the DNR had a real problem on their hand. So what they needed to do was to come up with another fish that fed heavily on largemouth on, uh, um, that fed heavily on shad. Now, largemouth bass will certainly eat shad, but they just, there was no way that they were going to, to keep up, even if they increased, you know, the number of largemouth bass in the lake through stocking, they were not going to, to, to keep up. If they thought that if they introduced the striped bass, which has a voracious appetite for, for shad, that would control a problem. That kind of introduces another problem that now you have a superior predator species that 
well, it can take over because it's a superior predator species. And they really wanted to protect the largemouth bass. So the scientists, being scientists, came up with the idea that if we take a white bass and a striped bass and we got them together, they would produce a hybrid striped bass. And that's what they did. They set up a breeding program. And um, I, I believe the mother was a white bass and the father was a striped bass. And they developed these, these hybrid uh, striped bass. Uh, we refer to them as wipers uh, around here. They're a little smaller than a true striped bass, a little larger than a, than a white bass. Uh, the same voracious appetite for shad. And they were introduced, um, have done a wonderful job maintaining <clears throat> kind of this delicate balance um, between food source and, and um, um, fish-eating um, uh, species. Average size around 18 inches. Um, they prefer a little cooler water, you know, 70, 75 degrees. Uh, they certainly do. They do okay in, in higher temperatures. Uh, like I said, you'll find them in, in lakes and rivers. Um, they eat fish. Just like any fish. Um, I have caught uh, wipers... No, small, you know, eight inches, ten inches, uh, usually on on uh, inline spinner. Uh, whenever I'm fishing for for bluegill, I don't specifically target uh, um, uh, stripers. There are people who do target these fish. Very often, they are caught while trolling um, from a boat, uh, various uh, uh, swim bait. Uh, minnow imitations fly fishermen will, will target these guys uh, with with various streamer uh, patterns since these are a hybrid fish there was not a whole bunch of information on on fish behavior and and well fishing tactics and over the years a lot of um, common knowledge folklore kind of grew around these fish one of them uh, most prevalent was that since these fish do prefer cooler waters in the real hot summer months um, August September these fish are under a bit of pressure because Lake Monroe does get very warm and the DNR a few years ago set out on a research project to study hybrid striped bass and, and we're not unique in using hybrid striped bass uh, a lot of states uh, have have used these but nobody really had taken an in-depth scientific study well the dnr did and they caught several of these these fish and they implanted a radio transmitter uh, they they would go through with their um, uh, with their boats rigged with the electroshock uh, equipment uh, they would shock an area fish would float up they would net uh, wipers put them on the operating table 
looks amazingly like a fish cleaning station and do a small incision insert this this tiny radio transmitter stitch it up and release the fish they were able to do this under a minute i mean they they got very very good at doing this and the fish were healthy and they would survive and they would do just fine so they had all these tagged fish running around like monroe transmitting a radio signal well only thing you need is three radio receivers to pick up this signal and through radio direction finding technology figure out exactly where that fish is so they could go down to the the lake set up stations and map these fish and and the 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 radio transmission was unique so that they could track individual fish they collected a wealth of information and in some of the the real takeaways um, from this study was that yes hybrid striped bass are a schooling fish so they 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 tend to stay together but they are also unique in that they would send out scouts they noticed that that two or three fish would break off from the main body and they would swim up like Allen's Creek, an arm, a branch of Lake Monroe. And then they would turn around, come back to the main school in, in the center of the lake, and they observed the entire school moving up into Allen's Creek. Other times they would notice that these they called them scouts, would go up into a branch and then return and the school would just move on. And, and so the theory is that they were sending these scouts out to look for food. And if the scouts reported that there's a ton of minnows up in Allen's Creek, everybody moved up there and, and fed. So this is really unique um, number one, that they were able to figure this out. Number two, that the fish were doing this. And the other thing that they found out that was really surprising was the theory that in the, the heat of the summer that all these fish were going to be down in the deepest part of the lake, the coolest water near the dam. And they did find some fish down deep water near the dam. But they've surprisingly found a lot of fish east of the causeway in the East Basin. Now, the East Basin of Lake Monroe is very shallow. I mean, I think the deepest spot is probably maybe 12 feet. And there's a lot of vegetation. There, the, the hydrangea, the, the water lily, um, a lotus flower... Um, that covers a lot of the the bays, the 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 uh, inlets, uh, just total mass. I mean, it's hard to even get a, a boat through them in some places. Um, other places, there's kind of a channel that is 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 kept open through boat traffic, and they found hybrid striped bass up in these areas. Sometimes in 
literally four feet of water. This great big fish in four feet of water. What's going on? And, and the, the theory is that since plants produce oxygen, these tend to be highly oxygen. These areas tend to have a lot of oxygen content during these really hot months. So these bass were looking for the oxygen, not so much the cool water temperatures. So there you go. Sometimes conventional fish wisdom, eh, not entirely correct. We have other members in the true bass family. Uh, here's a yellow bass, uh, kind of a small fish, um, you know, 10, 12 inches, kind of average. Um, you can see the, the stripes along this fish. Don't assume that these are lateral lines. The lateral line is internal and not always does it line up with stripes. So don't don't confuse those those two. Um, uh, again, a very unique uh, tooth patch. Um, otherwise, all the other characteristics are are, are you know consistent with uh, these true bass species. And coloration is another thing. You could find a yellow bass that doesn't really look yellow. It's kind of maybe yellow, maybe a little more green. You know, so again, that's where the, the tooth patch uh, becomes the, the, the true identifier. Okay, now we move into catfish. Uh, we've talked about this um, pretty extensively um, so far. One thing I would mention is that there's a large number of species in the catfish family. Um, you know, we, we've we've talked about channel cats and flatheads. Uh, there's blue catfish, which are the well, we'll get to that. Uh, browns, blacks, whites, um, just a a ton. I think the fishes of Indiana list like 23 different species. Some of these guys are actually quite small. Um, the blue catfish is actually quite large. Uh, world record, uh, 111 pounds uh, caught in, in Alabama. Um, average we see around here is around 16 or so. Um, the more we fish for catfish, the more we learn and, and understand about these uh, species. I grew up thinking that catfish ate dead chickens and dead fish that sank to the bottom of the of the lake they were the scavengers they were the the vultures of the fish of the uh, water world because they cleaned up all the dead stuff mm, not really true uh yeah they will eat dead stuff but some species really don't, and the blue catfish are not known to eating dead, stinky, yucky, gross bait. Blue catfish really prefer living, swimming things that they can chase down. They, they really act very much like a predator. And um, the Ohio River has a wonderful blue catfish fish, fishery, and they're using large live bait, you know, to, to, to catch these guys. Uh, they do prefer moving water. 
they prefer pretty clean water. That was the other, you know, kind of misconception that that catfish only lived in, you know, still, dank, gross, stale water. Um, Not really. Um, some species, you know, flathead channels, they will, will, you know, tolerate that type of thing. But, but blue catfish, no, not, not, not at all. Um, they're, they're, they're going to want nice, clean moving, um, uh, water with lively forage food. I mentioned the, uh, barbs on the the dorsal fin and the pectoral fins earlier they are unique to each species and if you want to take a deep dive into this get uh, fishes of indiana and you can see the the size and shape of the barbs of the various species of fish it's it's, it's really really quite interesting uh, channel cat this is what will you'll find most prevalent uh, around here uh, average size again around 16, 18 inches. You know, look at the the, the temperature range, um, uh, 82 to 89 degrees. These guys love warm water. Not so great, not so cool with cool water, but they they will certainly survive and live. Uh, one of the other unique uh, identifying characteristics is counting the rays in the anal fin right down here. I know this is a favorite pastime of, of, of many people. Not really. Here's a, an illustration of a very large uh, a channel cat uh, caught by a fisherman down on uh, Lake Monroe. The, um, the fish is about half the height of the fisherman. Okay, let's get into perch. Uh, perch are a wonderful family. Warm water species, predator, these guys really like cold water. They're not a cold water species. They like cold water. Okay, we've got that square. Yellow perch are probably the, the most prevalent uh, in, 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 this, in this family. Um, in Pennsylvania, the Allegheny uh, uh, forest area, I caught a whole bunch of yellow perch. I kind of think that perch are the best tasting fish there are, along with bluegill and trout. But perch is way up there. I mean, perch is really, really good. Um, they're you could kind of you kind of consider them a panfish, uh, although they don't belong to that family. They they're they're really good eating fish, um, but they they are in the the, the perch family. Uh, rivers, lakes. Um, anything a bluegill will eat, a, a, a perch will eat. Maybe a little bit more on the minnow side. Walleye. Huge, important fish. L- fairly large. You know, you can easily get, you know, 30-inch uh, walleye. Um, water temperature, you know, 60 to 70 degrees. Lakes, rivers. We do have walleye in Lake Monroe. Not many, not easy to catch, but the DNR is making an effort to to try to stock these fish to to see if they can get them in in warmer uh, bodies of water. 
Much like smallmouth bass, you'll find walleyes the further north you go. So the northern uh, part of the state's going to uh, have uh, much more than the um, uh, mid or, or southern parts of the state. Tremendously good fish to eat. Oh, gosh, I love walleye. Um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Upper Michigan, very good walleye um, fisheries. And there are some people who are real big largemouth bass, you know, fanatics. There are people who are real big walleye fanatics. Uh, so very, very important fish. The uh, Lake Erie has a tremendous walleye fishery um, over around the Kelly Islands. If you ever get in that area, uh, definitely check out the, uh, the walleye fishing. Walleye's name, walleye, comes from the very large kind of bulbous eye that they have. They are a sight feeder, and the theory goes that they needed this big bulbous eye to see better their prey in deep water. They do tend to favor deep water in a lot of uh, locations. Um, that theory is kind of disproven that there's no real relationship to the the physical structure of the eye and their their need to uh, use it in low light uh, situations but it was a it, it was a good theory okay and that kind of wraps up our, our species when you guys uh, if, if you feel like it leave a comment um, on, on, on YouTube uh, what, what is your your favorite? type of fish to eat so we'll see you in the next part when we get into conservation and ethics of unit two this is going to be fun